0: Come, Holy Spirit, and fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle within us the fire of your love. And may my words and our hearts together glorify you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, it was a hard summer, wasn't it? The heat was oppressive, so oppressive that concerned city leaders in Dallas opened libraries and other cooling stations to give people relief from the heat now as temperatures cool in texas and around the country it's difficult to remember that oppressive heat isn't it yet i invite you to remember i i remember that i would water and water and water and water and nothing helped no we needed god's rain god's watering Potted plants on the patio withered and died. Shrubs and flowers planted last May turned to dust before my eyes. Yes, it was a hard summer, but not nearly as hard for me as it was for those who are poor and unhoused. And the bad news is that it is likely to be an oppressive winter as well. Uh, Surely you remember Snowmageddon. Well get ready. These extreme temperatures are likely to continue as our planet continues to suffer from global warming. And as difficult as the ice storms are for me and for my family and on our home and yard, it is not nearly as bad for those who are poor and unhoused. And while I'm very glad to read reports of the city of Dallas and their efforts to develop new programs to help the unhoused, and the success is of those programs I can't help but hear Jesus say the poor you will have with you always today members of our church in downtown Dallas actually in an area called Deep Ellum and we're trying to do our part to help those who are poor and hungry and unhoused and who haven't found the support of the city and the programs available to them and that may be because they are poor and unhoused, but also maybe because of mental illness and fears about government. And we're gonna go and we're gonna provide them blessing bags with a meal, a sandwich, some chips, bottled water, some fruit, and some hygiene things that will help them survive out on the street. We're here online to worship But we're also there in DeFellum in Dallas, Texas, because God calls us to do both. God calls us to gather and to worship, and in that worship to experience celebration and hope and be filled up with the Spirit of God so that we can go out into the world and care for those who need us, to feed the hungry, stand beside the broken, to go. And we know that we are called to this because a few verses before our scripture reading that you heard just now, God speaks about how Israel is seeking God. And God says, they seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken my commands. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for me to come near them. But the problem, God says, is that they have separated being and doing. You see, God is calling the people out of their outward practices of fasting and worship. And that what has developed now in Israel to a a program of seeing and being seen. They want people to know they're fasting. They want people to know they're worshiping God. And what when they do not do what God would choose for them, God recognizes that their worship is not authentic because they have separated being, worshiping from compassionate justice. And you know, that exists in our country today so much in the Christian church. People are comfortable in their church homes and so they become insular and do not step out into the world, do not even see those who are in need, or throw some money at a problem and hope that it will fix itself. The challenge for us today, of course, is the challenge of the Israelites. I mean, you don't want to be reading the scripture we just heard when driving past people under our freeways, or standing on our street corners. Speaking for God, the prophet asks too many questions. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house? When do you see the naked and cover them? And not to hide yourself from your own kin? God is being rhetorical here. God doesn't really want us to answer. God already knows the answer. Still, the questions, if you're like me, keep bothering you tugging at you. You see, the life of faith is far more dynamic than a list of creedal statements. This is what I believe. This is what I believe. This is what I don't believe. This is what I believe. In the heat of summer, in the freeze of winter, I expect that most, if not all of us, give what we can to help those on the street. After all, we make blessing bags at New Church, don't we? Yeah. But I've never invited a homeless person into my house. It's just too hard, isn't it? And it's too dangerous. I mean, too time-consuming. And, it, and it's never enough. Isaiah knew it was hard. The prophet was writing to the people who had returned from exile in Babylon to a city in ruins. These words are not for a private devotional time before a people gathered to rebuild a ruined city and a ruined temple. And while the exiles had been led back home, there was little joy. They didn't hear much music, and it didn't take them long before they were fighting amongst themselves. At least we worship, they said, and we fast, and they wanted God to give them some credit for that. So let's be clear here. God does not disdain worship, and God does not demean fasting. God recognizes those as spiritual disciplines that can call people to God. But God calls for a deeper understanding of faith and trust. And we will all know how we should answer God's list of questions, and we often end up, and listen to this, we all know, we all know how we're supposed to answer these questions, and we often end up feeling guilty, right? Right? I do. We think, well, I haven't done enough. I haven't given enough. I haven't fed the hungry enough. I haven't invited the homeless into my home. But feeling guilty will not feed or shelter anybody. Mm -hmm. The challenge for each of us is to learn to distinguish authentic guilt from false guilt. You ready for this? (laughs) Hang on to your hat. False guilt lures us from a focus on what we have done an absorption with how bad we are. You hear that? False guilt lures us from a focus on what we have done to an absorption of how bad we are. The mood moves from I have failed here to I am a failure. And that's a downward spiral. But God knows that that's not true. We're not bad. And We're not failures. That's a false understanding. God wants us to see the people around us who are sleeping on the steps of the libraries and the churches and under the freeways. God wants us to see the unhoused and the poor and the hungry and see them as our kinfolk to not hide from our kin, to not turn our backs from our kin. God, questions are addressed to a community of faith, so our answers are not personal but communal. Because, you see, we can do much more together than alone. And what we do together involves both assistance and advocacy. So hear me when I say we are not only called to worship, to fast, to pray, to study to give up our resources, we are not only called to share blankets with neighbors sleeping in the cold, but we are also to ask why are they sleeping in the cold, and what can we do about it? We are not only called to serve hot meals to guests on a Saturday, we write to our elected leaders and we call them and we text them and we Instagram them and we email them and advocate for food programs that will feed them. Why are they hungry, we ask, in order to join our being with our doing? For several years, our little new church did uh, a ministry, often on Saturday evenings, but sometimes on Friday evenings, at a local food program called the Stew Pot in downtown Dallas. Oh, about 10 of us would go down there and we'd go in and they'd tell us what to do and what not to do and we put on our aprons and we'd put on those hairnets and we have some good per- pictures to prove it. Uh, and and then we'd all get behind the serving thing and we some of us would serve the vegetables, others would serve the main dish, and, and then some of us would be out in the dining room filling water and iced tea and wiping down tables and and setting up the water and iced tea for people to get and visiting with those who had come to eat. And what we found out from all the people going through the line and all the people who were eating is that they were so grateful. They were so grateful to have a hot meal to eat. And they were joyous. And they thanked us profusely and reminded us why we were there. And then following our serving them, we would go out for dinner. And what I noticed among us was the joy, the deep, profound joy, and the laughter and the connections and the light that went forth from all of us. So... I want to invite us today to make a covenant with each other. I want to invite us to covenant with each other that wherever we are with whatever means we have we will live a life of following in the way of Jesus who said by the way come you who are blessed of my Abba who is God in heaven inherit the whole realm of God prepared for you from the foundation of the world for I was hungry and you gave me food I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Truly, I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these siblings of mine, you did it to me. You don't have to change the world. All you have to do is see and love those who need us the most. And when that happens, truly, our light will rise in the darkness, and our darkness will be as light and the brightest time of day. And when we call to God, God will hear us. Thanks be to God. Amen.